Benvenuto, and welcome to the Dirt Bike Reader Podcast. My name is Jeremy, and in this episode, we are chatting to Kelly Flett, owner-operator, sports nutritionist from Elevate Sports Dietetics. That's the best you're going to get. I can't do it any better. This is my fourth take. Now, uh, we talk all things nutrition, both with lockdown, uh, how to look after yourself, how to prepare for the race season, as well as what to do during the race season and how to keep your body fueled, uh, but also how to stay motivated in COVID times. You know, Alex is uh, suffering in Sydney, so it was a great chat to know what to do with your body and uh, what fuel to put in it, not just chips and chocolate, which uh, was a total letdown for myself. So massive thanks to Kelly for her time. It was absolutely awesome to sit down with her. We're going to obviously do a few health plans with her in the future, try and lose some of this baby weight that I've been carrying for 33 years uh, and try and get in some shape. And uh, hopefully take that into the next year's race season. So once again, thank you so much for your time, Kelly. Can't wait to catch up with you. This is part one episode, so next week will be part two, obviously. Uh, Hopefully we answer as many questions as you can. At the end of the episode, make sure you send us a whole bunch of questions that we'll ask Kelly in the next interview we do with her. We know there was we ran out of time, so we've got so much more to talk to her. And this is the best way for you, for your questions, to be able to ask her. So send them through to us and we'll send them through to her. This week's shout-out goes to Dr. Brad on Instagram. Thank you so much, Doctor, for all your likes and shares. Uh, It's really good to know that we have a healthcare professional on the page in case everything goes to shit. You can look after us, and I appreciate the hell out of you. So thanks again for your support, mate. It's been absolutely awesome. As always, we'd like to thank the supporters of the podcast, B&B Off-Road, Grassroots Hard Enduro, Pulse Media, On Point Moto and Suspension, Adventure On Store, and Goat Mountain Extreme. Thank you so much to all those supporters. We're really hoping you're enjoying this new style of interviews. Obviously, the phone ones, as we keep saying, are not ideal, but this is the best we can do with the current COVID situation. Lockdowns are slowly starting to drop because we all have our 5G vaccinations. Hopefully, that means we can get out there and start doing interviews and racing again. But until then, keep enjoying the content and uh, keep riding safe when you can. Enjoy. Cheers. Welcome to the Dirt Bike Burrito Podcast. Each episode, the crew will be talking with riders, organizers, and supports in the off-road motorcycle scene. From desert racing and hard enduro to flat track and trials, a little bit of everything rolled into one, a dirt bike burrito. Follow us and stay up to date with upcoming guests on our social media pages and wherever you get your podcasts. Also, just a heads up, these boys and girls are passionate about what they do. Some bad words could jump out throughout the episode. So sit back in your car or crank your workout to the next level and enjoy. Whether you're racing or not racing, for sure. Yeah, which is hard. Hey, Alex. <laughs> Harder for some than others, isn't that right? <laughs> I know, I know. I was, I, I looked at that photo that tur- uh, that video that Turtle made today, and I was looking. And I'm going, man, Turtle, you are fat as fuck. Like, what the hell has happened to you? <laughs> but, oh, but he's like, oh, I'm not racing, so I don't need to keep up my physique. I'm like, mm, that's not how it works, buddy. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I'm not sure that's right. <laughs> no. So hopefully, Kel, you can kind of give us uh, a rundown of of what people are doing what were they not doing, I guess, during COVID and how they can help that. But then also, like, I really like to know about, like, diets in regards to, like, you know, a lead-up diet to a, you know, you, people are dieting before a race or an event. But then the recovery side of the dieting as well, like, people usually say, oh, this race is done. I don't have another one for three weeks. I'm going to go and have burgers for a week and then start again. You know, we can kind of talk about that as well. 
Yeah, for sure. Yep, very important. And I guess that goes with like where that comes into it for me is recovery is all about you should be training usually as well. So if you've got training happening, then your nutrition like really needs to be steady for the entire week and months. You know, like your workout's only one hour. You still got to work on the the food stuff as well. No, yeah, brilliant. Absolutely, because I think I, I've heard all the time, and it always gets told that you know, <clears throat> um, exercise alone isn't what loses weight. It's it's the diet. So I think that, mm-hmm. that one people kind of go, "Oh, I did fifteen minute walk. That means I can have four cheeseburgers." But unfortunately, that's just not the way it is. <laughs> it would be it would be lovely, wouldn't it? But no, um, no. The the evidence shows that you could do it with either one. You can do it with diet alone. Uh, creating a calorie deficit you can do it with physical activity alone by increasing your energy expenditure but like clearly it shows that doing the two together is just like a powerhouse for achieving those goals oh god that sounds so much work (laughs) we can talk about all that (laughs) sounds good changing that that mindset maybe honestly it's i'm 32 if nothing's changed my mind now you're no you've got no chance i'm sorry you're a spring chicken you're only just starting out exactly jeremy and it's already set in that i don't care oh it's set in hard (laughs) all right anything from you alex before we start no, look, much the same. I'm just really excited to have a chat to you, Kel. And, and I suppose motivation is one of the things I want to touch on and, and particularly motivation through lockdown. Um, you know, it's very easy to all of a sudden, you know, the once a week drink turns into perhaps once a night drink and then the, you know, the once a, once a day ride, push bike ride ends up the once a week push bike ride. So that's, that's, yeah. that's what I want to have a th- talk about and, and tips and ideas. And, you know, the other thing that I, I was talking to Jeremy about is I know it's not so much, I suppose there's the, there's the nutrition and um, dietary stuff for getting fit, but there's also that kind of portion, I suppose, for people who want to drop weight and then talk about the different diets, the five twos and the and the carnivore diets and what mm-hmm. suits yeah. dirt bike riding better than others. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yep. Yeah, cool. And I can go through all of that. Got all of that on my list. So quite excited to go through that with you guys, particularly like some of the questions you've thrown out. You know, looking at a more holistic approach, like not everything is just about nutrition. Um, so as a dietitian, we do a huge amount of health promotion as well. So you know, when you look at health, health is um, not it's not just physical; it's physical health, mental health, our social well-being, not just the absence of disease. So, um, looking at that whole picture is really important. No, absolutely. That's pretty much exactly what we wanted to, to kind of stress on people, and I guess try and get people to understand that you know dieting doesn't just have to happen to lose weight or to um, to race or to compete. And diet can be just in regards to just healthier living, you know. And I think that's where some people don't really see the benefits as much. Yeah, for sure. So um, I'll touch on that shortly. I think looking at behavior change theory um, versus just motivation and that. So yeah, um, not really good stuff. Oh god, it sounds like it sounds really exciting, and like obviously we really want to talk about it. But at the same time, it's just going to go against everything in my lifestyle, and I'm really sorry for that, Kel. Like I'm so sorry. This is gonna gonna we're gonna look bad, aren't we, Alex? At the end of this. No, nah, that's all right, guys. That's it's your lifestyle, not mine. <laughs> Ouch! That was so harsh. Oh, I'm so I'm so glad uh, I hit. I started recording this at the start of this conversation because I'm going to leave that in there. <laughs> oh, that was brilliant. All right, well, yeah. look, uh, welcome to the Dirt Bike Reader Podcast. My name is Jeremy, and I've got Alex on the phone. G'day, Alex. G'day, mate. How are you? Oh, well, I haven't seen you in what like it's almost. 
three months now. I haven't seen you because of lockdown. At least, I reckon. Yeah, absolutely. You're stuck in Orange. I'm stuck in Sydney. And you're stuck hard, brother. Like, it's what, another month for you, I think, that I saw. End of September, I think, is when we're due to come out of any kind of, yeah, oh. restrictions. Provided you got vaccinations, I think they'll probably link it to who's vaccinated and who's not. We won't start that conversation because that's just a can of worms i think but yeah it's been uh, it's been challenging let's just say that well look to be honest I-, I had my vaccination so now i'm 5g compatible so uh Good. i'm glad uh, i'm glad i can now walk around a little bit and get better phone service but uh <laughs> yeah for yourself I, mean, I know it's locked down so that's why we thought we'd do something a bit different with the podcast and actually interview someone about diet and and health and kind of just well-being i guess alex which i guess you could have been struggling with being locked up for so long yeah, uh, look, we'll, we'll get to we'll get to I suppose more lockdown stuff specific lately. But yeah, it is interesting how the the when they take things away from your ability to exercise, your ability to ride, uh, your, not your ability to exercise. That's a bit dramatic, but you know your freedom to choose a mountain bike ride or a dirt bike ride. You're kind of limited to kilometres within your home, all that sort of stuff. Uh, yeah, it does weigh it does weigh on your mind a bit. You know, getting out and about is a massive you know endorphin release. I think when you get out in the fresh air and get your heart rate up and it's hard to do it. So, yeah, it'd be a great chat. Looking forward to it. So, Alex, do you want to introduce our next guest, mate? Because I know well, you're, introdu- no you're further, very excited. No further ado. <laughs> we uh, we have the, the the pleasure of talking to Kel Flett, the dirt bike dietitian all the way from Denmark in WA. How are you, Kel? Yeah, hey, guys. Uh, thanks so much for having me on. Um, yeah, I'm good. Um, I, too, had – I'm completely vaccinated and you know how they talk about – you know, being magnetised. I think that's why I keep getting attracted to the fridge. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I blame it on. Yeah, no. I, I've got a, I've got a dirty little confession. I'm working from home and have been for the last eight weeks. I must go up to the fridge, I reckon probably hourly, and open it and hope that something's magically appeared for an hour ago. <laughs> sound like my kids. Yeah. I've got four of my own that taught me well. Yeah, yeah. Oh. I can just imagine you, Alex, as well, just like sleeking into your fucking fridge trying to find something that, that, that your missus has put my in there. I close my eyes, I cross my fingers and go, please, please, please. Yeah, it's because your missus started off locked down, like going, oh, we'll get him treats. And now it's seven weeks in. She's like, nah, here's an apple. Fuck off. Get out the of here. The novelty's worn yeah. off. Yeah, it really <laughs> That's it. Here's some bread. Enjoy that. So, Kel, tease us with what's life in WA like. How's uh, you guys have obviously, you know, got different restrictions? Yeah, so I I feel a bit bad saying this, but I so I'm in country WA, like really country. So I'm down on the very south coast, um, away from Perth and the Peel region. So we had a somewhat lockdown. was wasn't even a lockdown. It was almost um, you know, you choose to stay at home basically. So we had a brief amount last year of staying at home, but since then, us uh, down in country, uh, country WA, we haven't really been affected by lockdowns. Yeah. Um, sorry to say that. <laughs> and that's the end and of the podcast. Those... Well, anyway, thank you very much for everyone. That was really yeah, good. Done. <laughs> but to put it in geographic context, Denmark is about the southernmost tip of WA, mm. um, uh, like way down near uh, Albany. Yep. That's right. Yeah, we're yeah. 50 beautiful. k's from Albany. Stunning part. It's of the a world. beautiful part of the yep. world. Oh, we have one of the best. Very part of beautiful. Life. We have some amazing areas to go dirt bike riding. Uh, we got heaps of property as well. So you know we've got you know five different tracks that we can go pick and choose which we feel like riding. So we're um, very privileged um, uh, to be here at the moment in the yeah. kind of climate that we have going on right now. 
Absolutely. No, absolutely. I think there's been many people dreaming of a sea change that you've got right now. I think, uh, yeah, especially even at yeah, like well, every Alex. time a every time a lockdown happens in Perth, I think everyone sort of tries to scoot out and come down to their holiday homes and try and bunk out down here. So it's probably not long before we get hit with it, guys. Don't worry, we're all pretty complacent. and We'll probably cop it one day, I'm sure. No, I no. hope it doesn't get there. <laughs> well, no, it's true though. I think that happens everywhere though. Uh, my mum is, is in Perth and she did exactly the same thing. As soon as the lockdowns lift, she was straight down there. I'm like, mum, you're probably one of the super spreaders. She's like, no, I'm different to everyone else. I'm like, well, I think you're the problem, mum. I think you are. Like, no, I, I... So what's her name and number? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. She'll be on the QR codes everywhere. Don't you worry about that. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'd love to hear about your bike riding because, you know, yep. I've, I've kind of face-stalked you and, and Google yep. searched you on the interweb and, Okay. There's a there's a there's a bit of bike riding background there. Yeah, absolutely. That's why. Um, so I'll talk you through it. So I um, have always loved sport. So I've come from a really sporty family. My mum represented Australia for netball. Um, Dad was an excellent surfer. You know, sport's been in the family from day dot. Um, so I've always also been quite health focused. I've just always had a passion for it. So I took a gap year off after year 12 and um, worked at a health sort of focused uh, business, then took off up to Perth and did a four-year uh, degree. So I did a three-year nutrition degree and then a postgraduate diploma in dietetics. So I've had that you know, I've had about 10 years or so experience um, since graduating from there, working in hospitals or in the community setting. Um, then in that time, I got into dirt bike riding. My um, hubby gave me a YZ250 to learn on. And it was basically like, oh, let's just go hit the trails and, you know, learn how to ride a bike <laughs> kind of thing. <laughs> um, so I picked it up from there. I think back now and it's like how did I ever enjoy it like you know it's pretty <laughs> full-on you know not like I learned from a kid how to ride a peewee 50 or nothing straight into a 250 off you go yeah. you'll be right yeah, yeah. should be right <laughs> straight up all these hills I couldn't get up so he'd have to ride up for me and um just like riding a bike yeah yeah pretty much you know a few extra bits and pieces <laughs> Um, and then, had a crash, didn't he? Yeah, he had a major uh, crash. He ended up in the trauma unit at RPH and um, that, I guess, threw me and didn't really pick up the bike after that. Mm. Had kids, um, so didn't really think about it. And then one day he's like, oh, why don't you jump? He got a new bike. He goes, oh, jump on my bike, which is a 350 um, KDM six days. And I was like, mm. oh, all right. And took it for a spin and that was it. So basically from then on, it's, you know, getting on the bike as often as I possibly can um, and riding. And then in that time, so what happened is we, um, so I had my dietetics degree, then I wanted that passion for sport. I finally committed to go do the sports nutrition course over in Melbourne. So I snuck that in before there was even talk of COVID at that stage. So I became a sports dietitian then. And then came home and decided to start my own business just as COVID hit. So probably really stupid. But you know what? I'm just so passionate about it. I find even if the business flops, I'm going to find it very difficult not to actually just keep going with it because I love it so much. That's cool. And so then I kind of niched out and combined all my passions, so nutrition, dietetics, uh, sport. Um, my sports dietitian course and dirt bike riding um, because I said one day, I said, oh, what should I write about? My hubby goes, oh, I don't know what to eat. Can you write about that for dirt bike riding? Mm. So I did one article and then that was it. I just got completely hooked on it, wrote a book, writing another book at the moment. 
um, yeah, just, I don't know. I just think it's just... Um, and that's all That's all specifically for dirt bikes? Yeah, yeah, it's purely for dirt bikes. Fantastic. You could use it for other things, but you just have to ignore all the pictures of dirt bike riders in there. <laughs> well, I mean, that's, that's funny because that's kind of what we do now just for regular, like, training and, and nutrition because we just kind of... We can maybe look at mountain biking or like some form of running or like anything endurance. We previously have had to base our diets and training off that. So, you know, yes. yeah, you're right. Yeah, there'll be motorbike photos, but it's a it's a great thing to finally be able to see a book that has something to reference what we all know, what we all love, and and want to improve in. So I think it's a good thing. And uh, yeah, if you want to read it and you don't ride motorbikes, well, then just have to deal with it. I that. think for, for me as well, if I was to pick up a book on just pure dietary information I probably glaze over yeah. there's pictures of bikes and stories about riding and yeah you know relate to it it makes it all that much more enjoyable mm. absolutely and like what I've done as well like what I find a bit tricky with my job is you know as a dietitian we know we've got all that education behind us and all the you know all that knowledge but trying to write it to a point where someone's going to pick it up and actually want to read it like we don't want to read about the Krebs cycle and stuff like that it's boring so trying to write it so a lot of the stuff that I've left out is kind of where the money's at with the book it's just here's what you need to do and it's simple it's easy it's straight to the point. There's no scientific jargon. Um, you know, it's written by a writer who's got a nutrition degree for yeah. writers. So, yeah, Which is, I guess yeah. is the way you want to go because majority of the writers, and no offence to all the writers and, and my, myself in particular, we don't want to ride out to win gold. We just want to ride to finish and have a good weekend, get off the bike and still kind of feel good. And so, yeah, you're right. We don't want to read a book that's got all this jargon that a pro or somebody who's well into the nutrition and fitness side will understand and, and kind of nerd out over. We don't really care yeah. about that. We just want yeah. to know, okay, how many burgers are we allowed to have in a month? <laughs> like how, like that, those kind of stats and making it as simple as possible is, is perfect for what we want to be able to read, you know? Yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah, it needs to be readable, enjoyable, put it into practice. And like I was seeing the guys getting headaches and getting tired and this is just on trail riding. So it's like you can make your riding so much more enjoyable by just doing a few simple sports nutrition tactics, you know. So it's yeah. not even just racing. It can really make a difference out on the trails as well. Yeah, yeah well, plus, I mean, it has to keep simple so Alex can enjoy it because, I mean, your English isn't yeah. that good, is it, Alex? You can read a little no, no. at child's level. Crayon, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I should be Homeschooling has <laughs> really benefited both your kids and you, mate. <laughs> we can read it together. As opposed to, to come back to the bikes, Jeremy, thank you very much. You're on a KDM 200 now, which uh, one yes. of the fellow burrito boys have and they love. You enjoy yep. that? Oh, I love my 200. That's, I, it's, you know, one of those things that's like, oh, I should have just started that a bit earlier. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I came off my bike, broke my collarbone, which I'll talk about later in that section that we're going to talk about mental health and that. Yeah. Um, so when I um, did that, we ended up talking around getting a, the two-stroke and, and going the smaller, smaller bike. And, yeah. you know, I can just move it around. And it's like, oh, shit, this is nice. <laughs> I'm not getting exhausted just trying to load it or it's like, you know, I can just whip it around and, oh, it's a great fun bike. Absolutely yeah. love it. Yeah. Well, I think anyone that says, oh, it's a little 200, they just need to see a good rider on one and mm. yeah. those yeah. comments disappear real quick. Oh, real yeah. quick. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. that's right. I mean, the poor little thing struggles out on the open road and so, it's, you know, has its neck wrung out, but that's okay. That's she right. forgives me. Yeah, good. She loves it. Yes. 
Well, I suppose on to what we want to talk about. Awesome. Yeah. Dietary. Mm. Yep. Yeah. Well, uh, it, like Jeremy said, it covers not dietary, but I suppose health, well-being, covers so many different areas. Yep. Yeah, and I guess yeah. that, that's that's where we should maybe start. Maybe we should yeah. start in regards to let's lump diets together and what they kind of are. Let's say, you know, you can have a, a vegetarian-style diet or a, a semi-carnivore. Is it carnivorous? Yeah, is it, I yeah don't know. same, same. Yeah, all the same style diet yep. or like a full vegan diet. So maybe we can like kind of work on on just touching on, on those three for now and then we can kind of break them down if that's all right. Yeah, sure. All right. Um, okay, so different – I mean, I've always um, educated my clients more along a non-diet approach to um, weight management if it's in regards to losing weight. So completely um, the opposite of what you're talking about there, so doing non-diet instead. Um so if it's not a diet, then what is it? So I know Rick Kausman wrote an amazing book called If Not Dieting, Then What? So looking more at lifestyle change and behaviour change, um, which I can talk about later in terms of uh, discipline and motivation to get or stay healthy. Um, so when, if you're, say, say for example, it's a diet is for weight loss, all diets will work if they create a calorie deficit. There's, that's what it really boils down to at the most basic level. So say, for example, you're doing five and two, right? So, I mean, there's a gazillion and different interpretations of how we do that now. But if you're consuming less food, you're consuming less calories. You get a calorie deficit, you lose weight. Carnivore diet, much the same. If you've cut out your carbs, you're just cutting out calories, you lose weight. Um, keto diet, you've cut out carbs, you've cut out calories. All of it boils down to um, losing weight because of a calorie reduction. So what you can do is you don't have to do any of those things as such. You can just work on um, improving your overall lifestyle and doing things that you can actually sustain. Mm. So I guess over those years that I've been with clients and worked in GP surgeries, I find that people will get that weight off and usually quite rapidly. But what happens most of the time is it comes back and it comes back with a vengeance. Mm. It comes back with a couple of extra kilos with it. Right. Um, Compared to doing something a little bit more sustainable. I guess what I'm seeing a huge trend of at the moment is um, and I guess throughout my whole career this has been around, is wanting to drop carbs to like nothing, so the carnivore diet or keto, right, when all people had to do was they might have been having excess amount in the first place, right, and you're wanting to drop it down to a more adequate level, not complete restriction. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. more like a portion control style diet. Yeah, Absolutely. So they'd be like, oh, well, I have um, two toasted sandwiches at lunch. That's four slices of bread. And now they have zero. It's like, well, if you just dropped it to one sandwich and had an apple with it or something, you know, like looking at a reduction, not necessarily complete restriction. Um, So what ends up happening with any of those diets is if they stop right and the person hasn't learned anything about what healthy eating is and what a healthy level of intake is, you know, like how often we should be eating particular types of food, uh, how much of it, how often. Uh, if they haven't learned any of that, then what happens is if they go from that diet back to the exact same way that they were eating before the diet, it's inevitable that they're just going to revert back to where they started from. Yeah. yeah. 
and that's I think I see that the most with the five and two. Like if um, you can see it get abused really, really badly, where people will eat whatever the hell they want and then fast for two but two days, and they've actually not learned anything, and they're still mm. eating foods that are quite non-nutritious and mm. and not. You might lose weight, but you're not addressing things like heart health, diabetes risk, you know, eye mm. health, and um, you know, stroke risk, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, it depends on what people are trying to achieve, I guess. Yeah. I mean, that's right. Cause it's more like the yo-yo style dieting, you know, they, they lose this weight really quickly. And I guess, is that a part yep. of it as well? People want to get that instant gratification. So instead of yes. trying to wean them way off food, like slowly decreasing that portion size to a manageable, you know, amount, they just go, all right, if I just cut lunch out and cut out this, then I'll lose weight quicker and I'll see that result. So then I can go back to eating and then it goes back on and up and down and up and down. And that's a cycle that people get stuck in. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's where, like, I think that's across the board on many things with where we're at in society as well. We want everything immediately. Mm-hmm. We got TV at our fingertips. We got music, you yeah. know, movies and all of it. Everything's instant. And, mm. um, we don't have that longer process. Um, so yeah, the same thing with diet. We want instant gratification instead of watching that more sustainable. So I was, you know, tell people it's the tortoise and the hare you want to be that tortoise you want to be Mm. nice and slow Mm. and gradual you know especially if you gain that weight over a couple of years we can't expect to lose it in a couple of weeks yeah no that's true yeah i guess and it also then sets you in a better mind frame to keep that weight off as well if you slowly to say just decrease your portions that then gets you into that habit of only eating that much and then that kind of gives you a a better longevity whereas if you just cut out two pies for lunch lose a bit of weight then you'll go back to having two pies for lunch kind of thing that's right. I don't yeah. know why so I said pies. Uh... Behaviour change. <laughs> oh, they come up pretty frequently. <laughs> yeah, have so looking seen... more at sustainable lifestyle changes. Yeah. Yeah, just on the lifestyle thing, have you noticed in your in your experience that we're becoming more sedentary and the idea of a diet almost becomes part of just the, the vernacular you talk about, you know, I'm, I'm not that old, but I'm probably the oldest in the conversation here. And if I think back to my youth it was very active all outdoors you know being screamed at to come inside when it gets dark yep. perhaps the very stereotypical thing of kids very screen bound now and particularly now with COVID as well um you know they, they don't leave their rooms really uh yeah. my kids are probably a little bit different they're more like me because they they get access to screens or ipads or games but yep. do you see that then working up the chain to parents oh yeah for sure um yeah, definitely. Especially, you know, our lifestyles are so much busier, I think, than they ever mm-hmm. were before. Like, we're trying to juggle, like, everything, and I'm guilty of it. Like, I've got kids, I've got um, a husband doing FIFO, I've got trying to run a business, mm-hmm. you know, trying to stay healthy, trying to exercise, trying to keep on top of the housework, trying to ride bikes and make a living, and it's just like, yeah. oh, man, it's just insane. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's yeah. the problem. I don't know about you guys, but Rubbish food is easy to get. Good oh. food is pretty hard to get. It's expensive. Yeah. So it's yeah. the first thing that I'd love to, to uh, if there's any tricks around it, but, you know, yeah. if you are caught for time and it's easy, we go, yeah. to, we go to the macaroni and cheese in the top drawer or the, you know, the, the stuff that's just junk. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, that's kind of, I reckon that's probably something that, uh, that I'm certainly guilty of rather well, than going yeah, to the okay. of yeah. getting fresh, healthy food and cooking it. Yep. It's just, 
whatever's in the cupboard, and it's usually long life stuff that will outlast mankind. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, it's quite interesting because that one always gets me. I think because yeah. my brain, like, because it comes so naturally to me to. Um, I guess, make healthier things. Like, I don't have... My hubby always gets so angry. He's like, go there, and there's nothing in the pantry. I'm like, well, you just got to make something, you know? Oh, like, you can tell my wife. <laughs> so oh, a bit unfair, God. probably. I just, you know, uh, doing this as a, as a career and a lifestyle, I find it very easy to to do that and in so where i live there's pretty much no takeaway like there's no fast foods like yeah. maccas or hjs or yeah. or chinese or anything we got pizza and um stuff like that so you know instead what we do is we just quickly whip something up like it's yeah. just it, it tends to be cheaper so back to your question uh, your point about um the cost of food right um i'm trying to think of the name of the course uh it's like a food bank uh, run program where it looks at the cost of food, right? Um, and healthy food uh, is quite common for us to say healthy food is more expensive than that. But if we're buying in season and buying according to like the Australian Dietary Guidelines, technically it's not when you're looking at price per kilo. Like if you look at an apple at like six bucks a kilo mm. compared to Tim Tams, which are like 30 bucks a kilo, yeah. you know, if you look at it that way, it can change your perspective a little bit, I guess. Yeah. And yeah. You know, like I bought this roast the other day and nearly died. I was like, oh, my God, it's a $60 roast, right? <laughs> but then it's huge. So I cut it in half and then it served the whole family. So it was yeah. 30 bucks, And then between, yeah. say, two hours, 15 bucks. Yeah. So it's yeah. way cheaper than going out and buying two $40 steaks at the pub. Yeah. So mm. I guess it comes down to a little bit of perspective, you know, like, and I see that, I see the coaches get really pissed off about that too, where we as a nation will go out and buy a carton of beer for 50 or 60 bucks and don't even blink an eye. Yeah, But yeah. the thought of like spending 60 bucks on vegetables, you'd have like a trolley full. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's so true. yeah. You made, me, you made me feel bad. Yeah, go on, Alex. <laughs> no, don't feel yeah. bad. It's just looking at a different perspective, I guess. Yeah, that's true. I Not guess true. I've seen that over years. I've been told healthy eating is difficult and healthy eating is expensive. And I do, you know, I get you can go to a fast food place and have something for 10 bucks or something, but you can also get a loaf of bread, some cheese and some tomatoes, and that'll cost you five bucks and last you for a week. Yep. <laughs> No, yeah. it's, it's true. No, no. I, I think it also... Be, you know. Yeah, well, no, but no, no, you're right. But I also think people may not have that drive to cook as well. Like some people just yeah. don't want to cook, like sitting in the kitchen for, I know you can get like 15 minute recipes or 20 minute recipes. Yeah. And then I just, there's, there's going to always be the same issue where people don't want to do it. Now meal prepping, I think is still one of the best things. And I love doing it because it's one of those things that I hate cooking. Like I'll admit to it. I hate cooking, but if I have to just spend two hours on a Sunday and just prep all my food and then I can just microwave stuff. Cause I'm, I was like Alex. Alex used to be on the road quite a bit, and I'm on the road all the time. Um, yep. And yeah, Alex is right. Like it'd just be so easy to grab something on the at a bakery or at a fast food place on the way. But it's mm. ever yep. since really kind of understanding that you know you got to look after yourself, and this food isn't isn't substantial, and also it just doesn't make you feel good after a while. You have a Alex yeah. would Alex would know all too well. You live a week on the road and just eat bad food. You feel like oh. shit. It's beautiful, so, isn't it? Uh, and that's yeah. where people get sucked into things like detoxes, which are absolute nonsense, you know, and you then there's this vicious cycle. Yeah. Um, so trying to break that cycle and you know, like 
so I don't mind cooking, but at the end of the day, when you've got kids and that's like, oh, sometimes you just don't want to cook. Yeah. <laughs> and I think what, you know, we are just surrounded by so many TV shows and media and, um, you know, all these gym programs and you see their meal plans. I'm like, oh my God, who would cook and eat that? This is just insane. Yeah. So, you know, I, I don't cook fancy. We have spaghetti bog, we have stir fries and, you know, food that you can just whip up. You know, you know, like a risotto or something is better yeah. than not having anything or yeah. um, not going out. So yeah, totally. You know, I wouldn't expect people to be cooking every night of the week. You know, not at all. Well, I think that's yeah. also where I was kind of aiming for is that people may hate cooking, but they have to also learn that there are so many like three ingredient dishes yes. out there that are healthy. You like, you've yeah. got your, you're right. This, the thing is Master Chef and all. Oh no, I'm not gonna be. Yeah, we'll name it Master Chef and all those cooking mm-hmm. shows on the food, SBS food and stuff. They've got like 200 spices that I didn't even know existed. They've got some far realm kind of tree that was shaped by a possum that shattered. I don't, I don't know where they got these spices from, but they did. But people really need to know this. you can get these three dish meals that are like 15 minutes long, and you get something healthy compared to say going through a drive-through and waiting there for 15 minutes to get some food that's not healthy. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So much more education around it yeah and I guess that's something I like to really try and put that's one of my big values and one of the content sort of pillars that I try very hard on my Instagram to demonstrate is that uh, healthy eating does not need to be difficult it does not need to be complicated Um, keep it simple and you know you can do that with some basic ingredients and sometimes like my idea of convenience is say frozen vegetables they are just as nutritious as fresh sometimes if not more because they are snap frozen at the point of picking mm-hmm. um and you can get those packs that you just shove in the microwave for a minute and they're done and you know what i get that that's not the best for the environment but there has to be some degree of balance sometimes um so like i'll do my best where i can but other times you know a bit of convenience that still yeah. equals health it I'm just so has cool. to be done so yeah. so fre- frozen veggies are are quite good you know you always hear this Absolutely. fresh is best fresh is best but yeah, you know, frozen you know, veggies still are good yeah yeah and like i mean you could look at the food miles of some of the um you know fresh fresh products sometimes they get picked at one town go up to the major city and then come back to be dispersed into the um shop like shopping and that whereas when they're frozen so yeah the frozen ones they pick them and they're snap frozen instantly so they Mm. i wouldn't be surprised if the nutrition is probably peak in frozen veggies you don't really lose nutrients from snap freezing compared to say boiling so yeah frozen vegetables are excellent Interesting. Yeah, it's good to hear. Mm, that is interesting. Not always the best taste. Like, you know, I'll always want fresh over it, but, you know, it does the job when you've got nothing for lunch and yeah. I can grab a, you know, microwave rice packet, a microwave yeah. veggie packet and tin and tuna. you got lunch. It's yeah. so nutritious and it's yeah. so easy. Mm. Five minutes, done. Oh. Yeah. Alex, you're getting ideas. Yeah, yeah. I'm, See, I'm, I'm not that bad. I'm not that scary. <laughs> <laughs> Alex, 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 Alex. Yeah, I know. Can I, I just speaking of myths, you, you, you know, you mentioned detox. Um, yeah. Is that? Can I ask you another one? Mm. Skipping the whole the whole idea of breakfast again as a young kid was most important meal of the day. You know, you have breakfast for a king, you have lunch of a queen, yep. and dinner of a poor. Yes. Seems to be spun around on its head where you know breakfast is you know the most dangerous meal of the day. There's been books been written, I think, with that title about oh, you know. Geez. It's, uh, it was funded by a sanitarium and you know, blah, 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 blah. Oh, okay. what, 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 are you, what are your thoughts on breakfast and intermittent fasting? 
Okay, there's a couple of things I want to address there. Hopefully, I can remember. So I, so breakfast is, I mean, what what does breakfast mean? It means break the fast. That's where the name yeah. comes from. So breaking that overnight fast. Everyone is different. Some people can do it, no problems. And what they do with intermittent fasting, say for example, you don't eat until ten o'clock. Yeah. All that's done is back to that very basic point I said before: is you re- reduce your calories, right. so you've cut calories because you're not eating them. Um, I would never be able to skip brekkie. I'd be an absolute mess. <laughs> so what can happen is <laughs> if you skip breakfast, it doesn't – so say, for example, you skip brekkie and then you go looking for biscuits, cakes, lollies because we're looking for a pick-me-up, you know, sugary yep. coffee, then that's completely defeated the entire purpose of what you're aiming for. Mm-hmm. So this is where it comes back to uh, what you said about that word dangerous. So it comes back to health focus – Mm-hmm. more so than just a weight focus all the time. We're so caught up on numbers on the scale that we miss the whole bigger picture of what health actually means. Yeah. So in the pursuit of losing another five kilos, instead of just, you know, uh, focusing on health and our health instead, you know, it just gets a little bit crazy sometimes. So um, there's no... So skipping breakfast isn't necessarily better than, say, just skipping lunch. Absolutely you're, not. You're, no. Okay, interesting. All right. I guess what it can do, you skip breakfast or lunch, right? Um, mm. You're missing a key opportunity to get nutrients in. Like, yeah. so yeah. I am just so, I love food so much, and food just offers so much health benefits. So, just mind, it's mind boggling when we try and skip meals and stuff mm. to cut calories. It's like, oh, well, there goes your fiber, your energy, your vitamins, yeah. your calcium. So, you're putting your bones at risk because, you know, brekkie is a huge opportunity to be having milk or yogurt. Yeah. So, as soon as we skip that, you're missing a complete food group if you're not having mm. it anytime there after throughout the day so if you skip breakfast, you know don't get angry at me you go for your life but don't go skipping breakfast because you think that it's going to be healthier or you know that's a good thing to do you don't have to do that maybe instead look at your portion sizes if that's the issue or the type of breakfast so you you know we don't want to be running on cornflakes or rice bubbles or cocoa pops you're looking at things like wheat bix oats multi-grain bread multi-grain wraps you know um, so I think that's something that gets missed a bit too. Okay. Sometimes cool. when I talk about stuff, I forget to say what I'm talking, what I actually mean. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, oh, great, I can eat my Fruit Loops. <laughs> yeah, I can have my bacon-covered Fruit Loops. This is amazing. <laughs> oh, I get taken out of context all the time. I'm like, oh, that's not what I meant. <laughs> oh, don't worry. We'll, we'll pick the shit out of it. Don't you worry. So, so we're, we're talking about that because, I mean, that's another myth, I guess, people are like, I only kind of... What I've been told anyway obviously contradicts the myth I heard. Eight glasses of water a day. Oh, yeah. yeah myth or fact, one. yeah. So it's, a, I mean, it's not, not a dangerous one. Like, there's no, nothing. You're not going to drown. Having, yeah, you know. But it's also a bit over the top. So I think I people, I get really surprised when I say, you know, cups of tea and coffee count towards your fluid intake. So coffee is only so it has a diuretic effect right but you get a net positive fluid gain from drinking coffee if it's say say for example it's a 250 cup of coffee and there's 125 milligrams of caffeine you'll lose about 125 mil of fluid but you've still gained another you know what 125 mils so you're still in a positive gain from that Mm. um for you know, jelly, anything at room temperature counts as a fluid. Soup, um, yogurt, herbal teas, Milo, 
tea, all of that stuff counts towards your fluid intake. Milk, it doesn't have to be water. Yeah, okay. Red Bull? Because, Jeremy, uh, you've got more of that. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Red Bull gets such a <laughs> Alex, you're harsh. Oh. <laughs> I keep missing these little things. Oh. Um, Red Bull depends. So some of them, they have different ones. So they're loaded full of sugar. There's no nutrients in them. Um, some of the caffeine in them aren't as high as you'd expect. So you probably would get a net gain from it. Okay. Hard to tell. Depends on which one. Some are higher caffeine. They're not a very large volume, are they? No, not in the not in and, the capacity. And they're loaded with sugar yeah. and stuff, so yeah. they're not yet. What? So you know when you mentioned uh, breakfast, something about it being dangerous, right? So mm. I guess that's something I talk, I preach a huge amount is avoiding um, such negativity around food. So I've worked a large amount with um, in the eating disorder field. So having a background working with eating disorders and really negative body image has made me uh, probably more edged towards being very cautious with the words and terminology that Mm. we use with food. So Mm. I don't think of foods as good or bad ever. That doesn't even come up in my house. Um, Instead, I think of foods as sometimes and everyday foods. So looking at how often, you know, fruit is an everyday food. We need two serves, Um, you know, Red Bull is a sometimes food. It's an extra food, a fun food um, for, you know, if you're trying to teach your kids. So instead of, you know, I don't even use the word junk or treat. I avoid that and do more, you know, emotionally neutral terms. So fun, extra, sometimes. Okay. Yeah. So looking at that more balanced. I guess when you're working in those fields, you really need to have that, that terminology to make sure people understand that, you know, food isn't the enemy at any point. You know, it's like, yeah. I guess when you're working with people like that, any food, unfortunately, is, is good food for them to take. So if you start putting them <laughs> connotations that there's a there's a naughty food and a good food, then they're, they're, yeah. they're going to kind of could potentially Dang put that right. naughty label on everything. Yep. I still think it's applicable to everybody, though. Um, I still think that's how we can learn moderation. And especially for any kids that are listening, they pick it up so quickly. So even around your household, because, you know, anyone can develop an eating disorder. There's no, you know, there's it doesn't discriminate whatsoever. So I think from teaching kids from a very young age, that food... um, you know, it's all about moderation. So not eating things like lollies and cakes and chocolate every day, that's not something, you know, so teaching them how to moderate and what is moderation, I think we've lost that these days. It's interesting because we, just within my household, I'll give you the one first one-man survey, we do our very <laughs> best to avoid the words fat and skinny, those sorts of... Um, Excellent. We use healthy and, you know... Um, fit and those kind of yep. words uh, rather than the, those negative words and that's something that my wife is really passionate about so um yeah, yeah it's, it's a really good tip we, we'll push that of course because we, we use you know it's a treat it's or it's or it's a you know it's a it's a we use some of those negative uh, words towards yep. food but yeah it's, yep. that's that's a really good point i'll i'll yeah uh, i'll keep that in it, my mind I like that. it can catch you that one treat because it sort of tells kids that this is a food too that's you know it's highly palatable it's something mm. to be desired mm. so why would they want to eat their broccoli when they could have ice cream as a treat mm. you know like it just glorifies something so i like to keep everything very neutral what while we're talking about kids mm. What about uh, <laughs> um, Jeremy? You need to you need to you need to get back on track. It's all about kids now. No, no, um, no, no. I was going to sitting down yeah, at the table, and you've got the plate of 
we we try hard to give them a really healthy meal and he gets to halfway through the meal and they go, oh, we don't like broccoli or Brussels sprouts or spinach. <laughs> and we'll go, well, if you finish your dinner, we'll give you dessert. <laughs> 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 what would be a better way of saying that sort of thing? Oh, mate, we could talk. This is a whole other area of nutrition. I'll give you a couple of tips, but this is not my niche. There are dietitians right. out there that niche purely for, like, you could go on. There's a gazillion things you yeah, could do. Okay. Okay. So I guess um, one of my favourite people is Ellen Satter, and mm. hers is the division of responsibility. So me as the adult, I am responsible for what we're eating and when, and the mm. child is responsible for if they eat it, and how much they eat so that's their responsibility so then it takes away those real big feelings like just cooked this big meal now i'm angry because they won't eat it so it takes that away that that's their responsibility they don't want to eat it oh well that's you know so that's a really interesting one um i think yeah so really calm environments at night time um some people so there's even some suggestions of having your the ice cream with dinner so it's a little bit different but it's Mm. taking away that that you know bribery because then it leads to you know the ice cream being far more desired and you know what always happens is they don't eat it and you still give them ice cream anyway Oh, 100%. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, kids aren't stupid. They pick it up pretty quick. Yeah. <laughs> they know they don't have to eat their broccoli and they'll still get ice cream. We'll have to negotiate. What if I eat half? Yeah. Mm-hmm. My parents aren't yeah, going to let yeah. me starve. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, bribery is definitely one to try and steer away from, but it takes okay. practice, it takes calm, it takes all sorts of things. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's that's just opened up too big a barrel of fish, that one. Let's leave that. Okay, okay let's leave that there. Yeah, no, awesome. I've yeah. scribbled some things down there, so that's good. Yeah, pretty much change parenting. That's what you've written yeah. down there. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> we, um, did you want to talk about you had the discipline and motivation to get or stay healthy? No, that's that's yeah. where we'll go back to because before we yeah. before we move right into that, uh, if we can steer it back to kind of just like the basics of some people can still understand that all diets don't work for everybody. Like diet one set yep. diet doesn't work for everyone. So I guess that's where you come in and like mm-hmm. how have you over the time learnt what diets work with people better? Is it kind of more like a trial and error style thing? What's the go? Always. Nutrition is trial and error. Bingo. Yeah. <laughs> so right. so well that's what uh, as a dietitian that's what we do. So we so a nutritionist can so the difference between a nutritionist and dietitian right is a nutritionist can give general advice. So you know, eat your two fruit and five veg. Whereas a dietitian be like, this is exactly how much protein or whatever you need or can work in a hospital and feed someone, you know, with a nasogastric tube. That's what we can do. We can prescribe and, and do things like that. Yeah. So when a client comes to me, um, I don't put people on diets. As I said before, I'm a non-diet approach dietitian. Um, so what I do is I assess. So I look at their medical history, their social history, their um, medications, their supplements, have they had any blood results and then what they currently eat and then it's about working with them to change their behaviors so you know and everyone is so different I've never seen anyone eat the same Um, so what works for one person is so different that's why I get a bit you know it's my field you can get so angry quickly and I've learned how to manage that is when people have their way of eating and it works for them and they preach it it's like yeah, yeah right. it's not necessarily appropriate and in some cases can be really dangerous for particular people. No, absolutely. Um, 
yeah, so what I do is I look at all of those factors, make an assessment, make a diagnosis, and then um, work with the work with the client. So give some education, you know, breakfast could do with some changes here, um, snacks, lunches, dinners, give them a, a plan of what we've talked about, uh, give them meal ideas. So what does a healthy breakfast look like? What does a healthy lunch and dinner look like? Um, and do it that way, I guess. So, yeah, which is which is great, know. and that's and that's I guess what we're trying to get from this episode um, mm-hmm. is that the advice you've given is just that we're just here to touch on all the kind of the myths and the facts in regards to yep. uh, around nutrition. But if people really want to know more and they really want to get involved, that's where they then can contact you, and then you can work out plans for for people. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, with trial and error, the best thing is if people come back for a review, which doesn't always happen. Like, you know, you hurt your leg or something, you go to the physio and you keep going back. But with dietetics, it's hard to get people to come back sometimes. And that's where you really achieve those goals. So, you know, like the the, um, people with eating disorders, right, we always have really good outcomes because we touch base and have... Uh, Medicare gives us like 20 appointments so you look at what's what's working really well what's not working well you're doing different education each time so you know another visit I might teach someone some tools so how to read food labels or um, looking at the glycemic index or you know depending on what the client has Um, so if someone came in with high blood sugar levels I would educate about like and also you know, with the education is teaching people their body and what's going on. You know, it's so easy to say, oh, well, uh, you got diabetes, you need to reduce your portions and um, decrease your carbohydrates, blah, blah, blah. But if people don't understand the why, so that's another mm. part of my job is educating on the pathophysiology. So how does diet relate to their uh, medical condition and giving them a really good understanding so that they can be informed and be at the center of their management. You know, there's no point in me telling people what to do if they don't understand because I'm not there holding their hand. Mm, mm, so mm. I educate so that, like a patient centered focus so people can leave and have the tools to, to make their own decisions instead of texting like, is this a good food? It's like, well, you know, I should have given you the tools. You can like, learn that yourself. Yeah. yeah. And I guess that makes sense. yeah, and it, that's that's perfect because that, that leads on straight to kind of the subject topic that we were going to talk about. Yeah. Yep. So self management. See, see, yeah. Alex, I got this. I brought us back. Don't you worry, Alex. I got this. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> right. So discipline, motivation. Yeah. yeah. Discipline, discipline, motivation. motivation. Let's let's get yeah. into that because that's a big one for a lot of people. We're all yeah, motivated to go ride. We're all motivated to oh, yeah. go to the gym and, and get you know <laughs> no fitter to to be able to last longer on the bike. But not all the time. They're like, okay, I'll just have a protein shake or a protein cookie, or I'll take some like um oh shit pre trainer or something like that to get me mm. going. But there's a lot more involved. Like we don't just throw fuel in a bike and go ride it. Like there's a lot more maintenance and prep and lead up in that bike. And I guess we can put that as, you know, as, as us as well as, as, as the person riding the bike, there needs to be prep done to the bike before we get into it. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Cut, uh, covered a few things there. Um, sorry. Yeah, so sorry. I got too no, excited. No, I was talking right. about food. Just getting my train of thought there. So, if we're looking at, say, discipline and motivation, um, actually, no, I'll go back to things like you are talking about, you know, protein and pre-workout and that, right? I guess they can be quick fixes sometimes, but if we need pre-workout to go do a gym session, 
makes me go, well, is there something lacking? Like, you don't have to take pre-workout to, to go do the gym. Um, is there an overall energy deficit somewhere else? Like, uh, you know, if they're skipping breakfast, it's like, well, if you had some quality carbohydrates to fuel your workout and you work out better, you're going to get better gains. So, yeah, I guess in that respect, learning the bigger picture as well, not relying on things like a Band-Aid solution. Yeah, right. You know, so if you're using pre-workout because you've got no energy, maybe we need to be treating the lack of energy in the first place. Right, that's, that's that yeah, that's interesting, yeah. yeah. Not always the case, but, you know, that's just an example. Like, sometimes we mask things like, say, for example, like with COVID, the rates of alcohol intake is just it's quite frightening the amount of drinking right and so people are drinking waking up tired relying on coffee not sleeping well stress then it's just this vicious cycle so mm. what we need to make sure we're doing is we're treating the underlying problem not putting band-aids and masking masking these things with other other things i guess that's interesting because i it's you, to hear said by a professional makes total sense I think it comes back to that immediate gratification. You take a yep. you take a pre-workout, you think, I'm ready for the gym, I'm going to go smash it. Yep. You think you're going to get a better result rather than actually saying, well, well, if I need it, there's something deficient, I need to address it at the at the root cause rather than yep. just, yeah, Band-Aid matter. Yep. Yeah, just chucking some caffeine in. And the yeah, cost absolutely. of it, I guess, so I always come across as a bloody supplement Nazi. Um, so, you know, just take it all with a grain of salt. And I guess from my point of view, I'm always talking to the most vulnerable group when I talk about supplements. I'll see people taking it that don't have the, you know, like the finances don't need to be spent on pre-workout. If you just had a quality meal and a cup of coffee or something, you know, you get the same effect. Like some of these, because I don't use protein powders or pre-workouts or anything, and sometimes they're like, well, I should probably try it. So, you know, I'll have a look. I'm like, the cost of protein powder is just insane. Mm. I'm like, that's not where I want to spend my money. I just eat food. <laughs> I guess I guess for those people who do take it, like, because you can, you can, the portions of a, I mean, what, it's like $60 to $80 maybe for a for a protein shake, which could be used, you know, 12 to 15 times. Like, as someone who's used it as, as probably it shouldn't, as a, as, a, as a meal replacement when I'm on the road every now and then, like, yep. it's, uh, I, I kind of justify it the same way we were justifying buying a whole basket of groceries, you know, like, oh, veggies yeah. are 80 bucks there, but oh, yeah, you split it down. And I guess that's where I've seen it, because I've always tried to go for, I know it sounds kind of, it sounds dumb when I say it, but there's like... There seems to be healthier protein shakes, which are like you know vegetable vegetable matter. I know, I know, I'm probably wrong. Uh, whatever. <laughs> that was marketing for. I know I it's good. So clever. I know. Honestly, it's, it's that five G compatible compatibility <laughs> I've got now. I've been looking into it. Um, so I guess yeah, the money side of it is it's a lot of money, and you are right. I think if you really wanted to dive into it and. Why do you need that pre-trainer? Oh, it's probably because you only got six hours of sleep before that. And then that mm. night you only had, yeah, you had Maccas on the way home from that. And then you did a 12-hour yeah. day. And the night before that, you only did six hours of sleep and you had KFC the night before. So, of course, yeah, three yeah. days down the track, you're going to be tired and you're going to need a pre-trainer. And that vicious cycles yep. continue. Yeah, that's right. Chucking Band-Aids and everything. Can the same be said for vitamins? Or do you have a different view on vitamin supplements? Yeah, a bit of both. Um, so I guess, so like with pre-workout and protein powders, right, don't get me wrong, they've got their place. If people want to use them, I will just, if they are using them, 
so that's another thing. If people come to me using supplements, I'll tell them whether it's worth their money or check it out on whether it's safe with uh, water and all that. Um, looking at the cost. So when it comes to supplements, you always want to look at the cost, the risk and the benefit. Is it safe? Is it legal? Is it going to work? Um, so things like BCAAs are just skyrocketing at the moment, but it's completely from a push from the supplement industry. And like you said, with going vegetable based, they are so <laughs> oh, yeah. clever. Like, so when I'm just doing my own thing, I'm like, oh yeah, you don't need that. And I'll look into it for someone. I'm like, oh wow, gee, this looks good. And I'm like, no, don't look. This is ridiculous. <laughs> like, look at the science. Look at the evidence. They are just, um, they just spend the amount of money spent on marketing. Uh, things that have anything to do with weight loss and health is just insane. Like these people are so clever <laughs> and they make gazillions. So um, like BCA is a completely push from the supplement industry, not from evidence-based. Mm. Um, even like creatine has a excellent role, particularly for dirt bike riders. But if you're eating enough protein, then you've got enough creatine yeah so you know everyone's a bit different if you're vegetarian then yeah creatine is probably a fantastic option for you Mm. um vitamins and minerals um my stance is the same thing is it safe is it legal is it gonna work so when i broke my arm first thing i did is grab some calcium vitamin d magnesium and um supplemented that so for you know bone recovery once that's all done don't need them anymore um iron deficiency then there's definitely a role for the use of iron uh, because that is a huge negative impactor on uh, performance so things like lethargy shortness of breath fatigue uh perception of effort is just ginormous um you know so as women typically are quite high risk of iron deficiency so i've been there i've had it trying to do a hit class and it's just like your body just won't do what you want it to do so creating deficiencies can absolutely improve performance and Mm. and does remarkable things then i guess with supplements as soon as you get anything in a supplemental form the risk is so much higher than diet alone so the body is extremely amazing at mani- maintaining homeostasis and absorbing what it needs, et cetera. So getting into supplements, you increase that risk, I guess. But yeah, so it's always working with your GP. Are you taking it? What for? Uh, do you have a nutritional deficiency? Is it evidence-based, et cetera, et cetera? Okay. Yeah, interesting. Oh, great. Yeah. And I guess at the moment with COVID, there's this huge push for things like you know zinc and vitamin c and all these things it's like if you're eating a healthy well-balanced diet you don't need these yeah right. Yeah, so yeah yep. Mm, okay. yep, yep, yep. so let's go to oh, motivation okay. then <laughs> okay back to <laughs> yeah. getting around there um, so it's so funny when i say that word discipline it reminds me so much of the words adherence and compliance and they make me just ugh, like oh, i just don't like those words what I, so I don't know if you've noticed, but I tend to go, so you see, you're always trying to go a more positive approach versus that sort of negative, um, difficult discipline, everything. So um, what I tend to do is more looking at habits and routine and goals instead of necessarily discipline and motivation. Yep. So take, for example, you've got a routine. So for me, I book crash, kids go to crash, I go to the gym or whatever. So it's not about getting up and um, finding motivation. It's sort of getting up and that's a habit that I've established. Mm. And so you just go do it. 
Um, so that's so that's one thing. So looking at like if you're looking at behaviour change, um, have you guys heard of the um, stage of change theory or the trans theoretical model? Oh yeah, that's a it's a great read. I read it most nights before I go to bed. I hope it kicks in. But for those who haven't, those those illiterate that haven't read it, do you want to explain it to them? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So what it looks at is like it was based back in 1970, looking at people quit smoking, and some people would quit on their own, and they were trying to work out, you know, why why they were able to, and some people weren't able to, and so they determined that those who quit were ready to. So um, it goes through six different phases, and I talk this through with my clients quite a bit. So you've got pre-contemplation, so that's your first stage of change where you've got no desire to change. So you don't even think there's a problem. You're in complete denial. Yeah, it might be eating really unhealthy food and you're not exercising and you're watching TV or you're drinking excessive alcohol, but you're completely unaware that there's an issue. So that's pre-contemplation. So when you think of motivation, right, you're not going to motivate someone who's in pre-contemplation. It'd be like dragging a horse. To, you know, you, you can lead yeah. a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. Yeah. That's I guess that's like the rehab model where you're trying to take someone, force someone to go to rehab for some kind of dependency, and they don't, yeah. they fail because they're not, they don't believe they have yeah. a problem, they don't yeah, think they have a problem, on. so it's never going to work. And I guess that's the same for yeah. dieting. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, that comes up hugely. Then you've got contemplation where you go, oh, maybe I should increase my exercise. Maybe I should do something about that. And you're starting to think. And this is where you can get people, this is where motivation comes in a bit more. So you can start working on someone there. Then preparation. So if someone's made an appointment with me, you know, they have, they're prepared. So they are ready to change. Um then you've got action where you start putting things into place. So you might, so instead of, um, you know, saying you go to the gym seven days a week for two hours a day, you might work and go, right, let's make some more realistic, achievable goals. Do something like start walking 30 minutes three times a week. You can always get better at these. So I try and remind people, like, this might just be the start, but when, if you set yourself a more achievable goal that's realistic and you achieve it, you feel damn good about it and then you want to do more versus, you know, you're setting yourself up for failure and going, oh, well, stop it, what's the point? It's all too difficult and going back to baseline. Yeah. That's a really good point, actually, if I can jump in. If yeah. I think back to the time where I've got, I've got motivated to do something, I do one of two things. I either set myself a thing that's too easily achievable Yep. And then, or but probably more more accurately, set unrealistic goals in terms of time dedicated to the gym and exercising. Yep. Okay. No. And I failed. Yeah. So yep. you make you, you haven't said it just yet, but I think what you're getting at is that your action might start with three days a week walking, but yep. in a month you might say, you know what, I actually I might start jogging, and then I might yep. join the gym, and then, so that yep. that plan is 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 a continuum there's no there's no start and end of it it's just a continual part of, of changing absolutely as you change. yeah, I, absolutely yeah it, it's yeah. been funny because like we, even when we've been talking to say races at or riders sorry at events say at grassroots hard enduro i've been talking to guys there who have started their first event and you know three months leading up that's when they go okay i start to get on the bike and getting fit and then two months out they're riding twice as much as they originally started and by end of it they're like riding all the time they're eating healthy they do the race and then as soon as they've finished the race they're like still in that continuous motion of riding and training which then just keeps leading because they want to keep improving 
not only their riding but their health and their fitness because that will then lead them to a better position at the next race and the next race or i think mm. some people as well who can who didn't even get to finish a round at the grassroots or a, a lap at grassroots get so motivated to go okay that's it like i've got to step it up because i've got to get to the next level and that can be motivation as well yeah for sure and that's right so and they so some of those things you mentioned are external motivators so wanting to do it for a particular reason and i think they are really important uh but they can be a little bit transient so it's also really important to have some internal drivers of motivation too so that focus on health or trying to find something you know besides just weight or shape you know like mm-hmm. doing exercise for enjoyment um for mood for mental health for uh, getting the blood flowing in the cardiovascular system. So finding all these other things besides just uh, weight change is really important. Yeah. Um, yeah, right, so you then, left off an action and then next Yeah, one. that's okay. So that action, so they've made a change. And then there's maintenance. So that's mm-hmm. like, so a classic example is someone that's cut sugar out of their tea and coffee, right? It's always a really good one. They cut it out. And then what happens is our taste buds change. We adapt. So a few months into that, they're going to, if they had a cup of coffee with sugar in it, they'd probably find it really disgusting. Mm. So they've hit maintenance change. They don't go back to their old habits. So they're going to keep that weight off or whatever because they've maintained the changes that they've done instead of relapsing. Um, then you've got termination, which is pretty much, you know, you've done your new ways and you've got no intent to relapse. It's extremely rare in life. So we don't even really look at it in health um, because you can have relapse at any part of that you know, you can have someone that makes an appointment and then they don't come. So, you know, you can have relapse at every single point along the way. Yeah. I think what I'd like people to know is that relapse is completely normal. Um, yeah, okay. And so I see that so often. They've come in, they've, I've been, I was going really well, I was doing everything, but then I had Maccas or something. It's like, oh, well, what do you do? Like, that's, who cares? That's, you know, get back onto it instead of, mm. so then I decided to go and have, you know, five ice creams and you know drank a you know everything so it's that all or nothing mentality where oh bug it up I might as well just continue buggering up it's like no you've just done one small thing jump back on the horse back on the train tracks whatever and just get back into it again you don't have to compensate with eating you know a glass of water and a salad for lunch because then you're going to be hungry and Mm. go eat something stupid afterwards so Mm. you know it's just getting back into that routine so i think routine habits behavior change all of that comes back to motivation um setting smart goals that are realistic um and then then that becomes your new way of living and then you're internally motivated and driven yeah no that makes total sense yeah i love that i haven't heard that before when when people do fall off the, the bandwagon yep have you got any tips to re-motivate them? Do you need to remind yourself as to why you started or is there is it other things that you've found in your past at work to get people back on the straight and narrow? Yeah, okay. So I think it's about... Um, I think people are just so harsh on themselves. Um, there's so much negativity and that mentality of, oh, I've stuffed up. I might as well just, you know, just keep going with it. Mm. I think, yeah, we just need to remember that we're human beings we're not perfect that's striving for perfection all the time um you know obsessiveness it doesn't help so just remembering that like learning i guess to trust your own body and your own intuition uh mindfulness etc etc and just yeah realizing that hey it's normal um just 
get back onto where you're going, you know, trying to remind people what they loved about it. So their changes, going to the gym was making them feel good. They were socialising, eating healthy made them more energetic. I've had some amazing stories. I had this couple, uh, I won't digress too much, that um, he lost weight, right, and they were sleeping in separate rooms, him and his wife, and he lost weight and stopped snoring because of the, you know, changes in his body weight and yeah. that it affects so many other things and yeah. then they started sleeping back together again i'm like you know i don't care how the number on the scale none of that means anything no. to me but when someone says something like that it's like that's what it's all about cool. you know like yeah. yeah so that kind of stuff i guess is what what are the bigger picture things what are you doing it for what are your long-term plans what are your short-term plans um you know drop in the ocean really you've got your whole life ahead of you yeah. yeah, and I suppose acknowledging those wins, like he may not, not have had that as a goal to start with. It may have been yeah. a number on the scales, but yeah. sleeping back in the same bed with his wife, that's yeah. like celebrate that. That's cool. Yeah, it's the best. And I've got heaps of other stories, I guess, like that. And it's like, they are the big wins. That's mm-hmm. so awesome. And you know yeah. what? I think what I also try and explain to people is things get easier. And so I know what it's like. I've you know, broken my arm going back to the gym and it's just like this sucks it's hard <laughs> it's um you know you're doing your weights that we used to do as a warm-up it's like so frustrating but it's mm. just like okay, take a deep breath enjoy the process practice gratitude so you know you can't complain when you poor buggers are all in lockdown and we're at the gym it's like how you know how yeah. dare you have a whinge about something so ridiculous <laughs> yeah absolutely so gratitude's really important i think being grateful for what we have what we can do uh just damn happy you know i had to go back and start in a treadmill but i'm at the smile on my face was just so big i thought my face would crack off you know yeah. and i'd never be excited about a treadmill but hey i'm back in the gym and all my mates are here and so yeah gratitude trusting the process, being patient, looking at progress in different ways, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. And I suppose <laughs> an intern, a positive internal monologue is yeah. so valuable when it comes to those things. Ginormous. Yeah. So important. Yeah. Mm. And it's not no. arrogance. There's a big difference between arrogance and self-love and positive self-talk. Mm. You know, mm. it's crazy how um, negative it can be. Yep. Um, I guess another thing there would be, you know, people tell me they're lazy. I'm like, you know, maybe that's not the right word. You've got barriers. So then it's something they can change. So, oh, I'm lazy, can't do anything about it because I'm a lazy person. No, you've got barriers and you can do something to get around those barriers. So, you know, we do have genuine barriers in our life. So for me, I I can't really get to the gym unless I've got the crèche available. So I go at that time or, you know, so they're barriers, but there's ways around things. So what can you do to get around those barriers? That's just another thing to think about when goal setting. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I like that. I think it's it's true. And uh, I I remember reading uh, a thing a long time ago with, uh, I know it sounds kind of corny, but it's that, uh, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, I think he was saying that, you know, there's 24 hours in a day. You know, you can, gyms are open almost 24 hours nowadays. So what's the yeah. excuse of not going to a gym? And I understand we're tired from a guy who does, uh, you know, it's five days, 12 hour days. Like, I know we can be tired and I get it. And there's guys out there who do six, seven, 12 hour days. Like, it's just, it's just a thing where we get tired. But at the same time, yeah. you can just go to the gym for like 20 20 minutes sometimes, an hour if you need to, and just do something. And I know it's all about, oh, you know, I can't be bothered. I'm tired. I've got to go home and do this Mm. and that. It's like, well, look, you're either going to do overtime and stay for another hour 
and uh, and earn a little bit more money, or you could just go to the gym and help your mental health and your your actual physical health as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And the other thing, I guess, is like that was a really good point that you put there. Is you can go for twenty minutes or an hour, or whatever. Sometimes anything like you're going to be doing laps over someone who's sitting on the couch. <laughs> Even yeah. if you're, you're doing a thirty-minute walk, you're still lapping the person who's at home on the couch. So, you know, something is always better than nothing, I guess. And it doesn't have to be the gym. You know, you could go out for a walk yeah. or, yeah. Um, you know, be really vigorous cleaning the house. <laughs> yeah. You hear that, boys? <laughs> Jesus, how vigorous are you? Holy <laughs> moly. <laughs> Alex, Alex is in the northern beaches of Sydney. He has someone clean his house for him. Alex. I yell at, I yell at them. Get the whip out. Don't you guys do that over there? Yeah, no. But just, just in talking to you, Kel, it's interesting how your positivity rubs off as well. So I think something that I, I certainly overlook is having somebody which can help keep me pumped and keep me positive and keep me inspired would be very valuable. Um, you know, talking to you, what are we, an hour in? And I'm thinking, yep. I've got my mountain bike outside, I can still go for a ride, I'm going to go to the beach, I'm going to do some laps at the beach. I'm gonna... yep. all, all of a sudden, I've gone from sitting at my desk all day long, thinking, well, you know, I won't, I'll go play with the kids or so, but uh, you know what, yep. half an hour ride is going to do me the world of good. Yeah, yeah, you're feeling inspired. Mm. And mm. I guess you can get everyone involved as well. Like, I think, so you had some questions here about staying physically active and what exercise to do at home. Yeah. So should we touch on that a bit? No, what we're going to do, we're going to stop the episode there. And it's been announced. That's part one of this episode. Oh, yep. okay. What we'll do is we'll uh, we're going to go for a break, but the whole the rest of the audience is going to go for a whole week's break. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and then we'll jump straight back into after that. How's that sound? Yeah, that sounds wicked. Sweet. All right. There's part one. Wait for a week. Next part two. Cheers. <laughs>